0: Hello friends, welcome to Wednesday Wake Up, a podcast hosted by Gregory Malouf, Buddhist Dharma teacher in the lineage of Ruth Dennison, mental health therapist and mindfulness coach. Wednesday Wake Up explores the ancient teachings of Buddhism through the lens of Western psychology, neuroscience, and the modern human potential movement. Our commitment is for these teachings to educate, challenge and inspire you to awaken to your deepest potential to live a truly fulfilling life of wisdom, joy and compassion. Thank you for joining us. May these teachings serve you well.
1: I want to talk, I want to start a series of talks on some heart-mind qualities in the dharma that I find pretty fascinating that don't get talked about too much. I'm sure I've talked about them on and off in different situations, probably more the Eightfold Path kind of classes, stuff like that. But I'm always fascinated by the fact that the Buddha saw the not only does did he see the heart-mind, heart and mind as one thing, he also saw behaviors as being integrated. Which although we see that in Western psychology, it's just I think it's just amazing that two thousand years prior, the Buddha had this really holistic, integrative perception on what the self is, or not, or what the self is not. He describes, you know, oftentimes the Eightfold Path in terms of these heart-mind qualities that we cultivate through meditation practice. But he also describes qualities that are sort of preparatory qualities, preparatory commitments that, or even, you might even say dispositional traits, that he encourages students to have or develop in order to be more successful in practice. And so I'll tell you what those traits are and then we'll just do one of them tonight. But two of them that I find really fascinating is that when the Buddha took on students, at least as we, we hear in the texts, the Buddha says that there are two qualities that students must have separate from any interest in the Eightfold Path or anything else, but there's two qualities that students really have to have in order to be successful. And one is a commitment to truthfulness, commitment to truthfulness, which (laughs) on a path, a spiritual quest uh, for truth, I guess that would be pretty obvious, but I think there's a lot here. So I love to talk about this one. So truthfulness is one of them. And the other one is a commitment to be observant, a willingness to really be observant and to be interested in observing. I think those are really interesting. And I would frame it in this way. like Imagine that you were a Dharma teacher, right? Think of your own path and how you've been on the Eightfold Path and your experiences. If you were going to invite students onto the path, you might ask yourself, what qualities would I think would be really healthy in a student that would make them really succeed in this practice? And so the Buddha's answer is truthfulness, a commitment to being truthful, and a real significant, serious interest in observing reality. So that's his perception of like what makes a good student. So we're going to talk about truthfulness tonight. And then in the next few weeks, we'll talk about the other qualities. The other qualities, though, I'll just say them just for context. Um, so truthfulness and a commitment to be observant. And the other qualities, there's really kind of three qualities and one circumstance. So heedfulness is one which is just being serious about practice, right? That correlates to the phrase um, ardent, ardent, alert, mindful. Being, wanting to do well at what you're doing, being heedful, paying attention, right? As you would in any kind of thing that you were learning, whether it's guitar or learning to paint or play a sport. It's that sense of I really wanna learn this, being heedful, being attentive. So heedfulness is another quality. The next one is a combo which we know as samvega, or samvega, which is the acute awareness of suffering in the world and a desire to get out of it. So we call that dismay and urgency. A dismay with the suffering that we see in the world and a desire to be free from it. So that's another aspect that the Buddha says is a prerequisite even before the path that students who really have a sense of the suffering in themselves and the world and really want to be out of the suffering are far more apt to be successful. As a student, myself and a teacher, this one is, is really huge. I've noticed over the years that students who have, who are really in touch with their own suffering or are very sensitive to the suffering of the world are much more apt to keep meditating and to keep practicing. If there's too much contentment <laughs> and too much, I guess one might say privilege, or if there isn't a lot of suffering in your life, You might not find Buddhism in the beginning to be very interesting because so much of it is about Dukkha and how we relieve ourselves from stress and how we look for happiness. So folks who are really in tune with their own Dukkha and can see it in the world and want to make that difference oftentimes are more successful in practicing. Otherwise, they fall off the path at a certain point. So that urgency and that knowledge of suffering. And then the last one is also a quality, which is just appropriate attention, meaning if we're going to be on a spiritual quest, we have to be able to know what to focus on. What are, we, what are we bringing into awareness? What is the practice? What and why are we doing what we're doing? So appropriate attention, being able to place our attention in the appropriate places to get the results. And then the last one, it really isn't a quality. It might be quality if you frame it a different way, but it's just admirable friendship, having friends on the path. So you might be able to qualify that like being able to discern spiritual friends who are good companions that will help you and support you in your practice and being able to determine that. So we'll talk about these over the next few weeks. But tonight I just wanted to jump into truthfulness because I just find this to be uh, so interesting, the way the Buddha talks about this. So truthfulness is one of his qualities for students. The various ways that the Buddha talks about truthfulness, I think... One framework that I like a lot is reminding ourselves that there are at least three ways that we can be truthful in our practice and our intention to walk the spiritual path. So truthfulness to ourselves, right? Being honest with ourselves, being honest with our peers, like our sangha, our spiritual companions, and our truthfulness with our mentors and our teachers. So we have these three types of relationships in our spiritual development, obviously relationship with self relationship with other, but the other also has a specific type because we have a sangha, So we have our spiritual peers and our authenticity in those relationships. And then our mentorships, like who's, are we honest with our teacher? Do we feel comfortable and safe in that relationship? I'll talk a little more about that, but we have this kind of, what I think I've referred to before as this truth triangle, which is self, uh, spiritual friends and teachers. And to the degree we can be honest with ourselves, tends to boil over into our ability to be honest with others. And our ability to be honest with others then kind of feeds back and allows us to be honest with ourselves. Now, I don't know about you, but it's much easier for me to, to point out how other people are being dishonest or in denial of things in their life than it is for me to see it in my own in my own heart. So you know what it's like to have a friend or someone that you know, and you can see that they're not being honest with themselves. And you just think, man, if they could just see, if I could just point this out to them, things would be so much easier in their life, right? So it's easy to point out somebody else's inability to see a blind spot, but it's harder, of course, to see our own. But the thing to remember is that when we think of our lives, a good question to ask is, how, how is it these days that I'm being honest. And so you might ask the question like this, where in my relationships or circumstances in my life do I feel most comfortable being truthful? In what relationships can I be really myself and talk and share with somebody? And in which parts of my life do I, did I wish that I might actually be comfortable being more truthful with somebody? We have those people in our lives who we might sort of have like 80% truthfulness and then some of it's still sort of hidden because we're not totally comfortable. We might have like, even with intimate relationships, like, oh, I wish I could tell my my mom this or my dad, I wish I could share with this person this thing about myself, but they wouldn't understand, so I sort of keep it under wraps. So truthfulness is this understanding that to the degree we can be truthful with ourselves really impacts the way we have authentic and deep connected relationships with others. So that of course makes a really powerful Sangha. To the degree that we have that ability to feel safe enough in Sangha to express ourselves to our teachers and our spiritual friends, then of course opens up an opportunity for us to be more truthful inside. So this truthfulness is a relationship. It's, a, it's relational, relationship to ourselves, relationship with others and you can see from that framework why that would be necessary to do this to do this work because if we're not really ready to see the truth of things to see what's really in our hearts and minds and to be able to share it and to live it and bring it into the world then the path is going to be much more difficult if we don't have that quality or at least have the intention going in. The Buddha is not saying you have to be (laughs) totally open-hearted and truthful about everything in order to walk the path. What he's saying is that that quality and intention and being okay with truthfulness is something that if you lack that quality or struggle with it, the path itself is gonna be much harder because this is a path of being awake and aware to what is so in your heart and in the hearts of others. So that willingness to go there is really important. And I think it's such a great reminder to think of it in those terms. So I always like to talk, when I talk about this quality, I always like to remind ourselves that the balance of truthfulness and the shadow side of it, because this comes up a lot in meditation, a lot in spiritual communities, but also just with our own hearts. So one is the dichotomy between being too truthful <laughs> to oversharing, right? And undersharing. So part of the truthfulness that the Buddha is talking about is showing up as an authentic person, right? Showing up as authentically you in your spiritual practice and in your relationship to your spiritual friendships, like showing up authentically. But then the heart and mind has this kind of teeter-totter where it goes back and forth and we can, we can overshare our truths and that can run into problems or we can be too self-effacing and we can hide too much of us. And if we hide too much of ourselves, we essentially rob other people of an opportunity of really knowing us, right? And really knowing our positivity and our traits and the goodness of who we are. So, but when we overshare, then there's too much ego involved. When it's like, let me tell you about my truth, right? And then that can be, that can be an issue. So too much authenticity without healthy boundaries and without understanding the relationship that can be a problem. But keeping keeping our truth and our sense of who we are to ourselves out of some kind of fear or some kind of insecurity of being judged or just being too self-effacing can also decrease the authenticity of our relationships. So if we do too much hiding in our relationships, we have to ask ourselves, how much other hiding am I doing in my own relationship with myself? If, I feel, if I'm really practicing hiding out, in my friendships and in my other parts of my life, then am I also practicing in other ways, kind of creating places in myself where I'm not being totally authentic to myself? And so that's where we wanna look at this balance between sharing who we are, being humble, being comfortable, being truthful with others, being healthfully cautious to share too much of things that are intimate when it's not appropriate or would make us unsafe or something like that, but, but really showing up as who we are. So that commitment to truthfulness is hugely helpful. So we just remember that there's that little shadow side. Another part of this, just tying this directly to Dharma, is the fact that in the Dharma, the Buddha often talks about being humble in sharing the truth of your experience in practice. And so oftentimes there's these stories where you know, monks are caught bragging and bragging is a big thing. There's tons of stories where the Buddha scolds people for bragging for being too bragging about, you know, their achievements and their meditation or how good their meditation is going or something like that. So I just wanted to remind us in that context that there's another balance that I think can be really helpful. And this is a struggle for all of us, but like as a teacher and a student, when folks come to me and they share the joy of progress they're making on the path, That inspires me to practice because I want to have that experience too. It's like, oh, you're feeling more compassionate or you're feeling healed in a particular way or you've had some experience in mindfulness you've never had before. I get all excited about that. That to me is really good sangha. It really makes me excited and happy and want to practice more. And when someone (laughs) comes to me and says, this practice is really hard. I keep messing it up. I can't. I don't understand loving kindness or I can't get concentration down. Similarly, I get excited because I'm like, oh, great. It's not just me. Like, I'm not the only one that has a hard time with this thing. So we can share in a way that can enliven our spiritual connection. And we can we can share in ways that is bragging and making people feel bad and making people feel disconnected from the path. So we can share about our practice. We just have to be careful not to brag and not to intentionally or even inadvertently, you know, contribute to somebody else feeling like the path is out of reach or our experiences are just too highfalutin for for folks. So we just have to keep an eye on that truthfulness. But there is an authenticity to being in a spiritual community that includes the truthfulness of our experience as meditators. And it's so nice to be, I mean, it's just so it's what a blessing to be here Wednesday, eight o'clock in the middle of the week, where we can talk about the Dharma and meditate together. I mean, who else can we do this with, right? We can share our experience with each other in a very unique way. We just do it in a way that's kind, compassionate, and gentle on the ego. So that's that's part of that truthfulness. Now, another aspect of this that I, I find really fascinating is the fact that the human mind has blind spots right? It's its nature (laughs) to be ignorant of itself, which of course is a developmental flaw. And it's just, it's bad programming, but it's the way it is that human beings always have a blind spot. We have a part of ourselves that we don't know that we don't know. And so the challenge with a blind spot, this is what I've noticed about myself. Uh, (laughs) Maybe it's just me, but this is whenever I talk to somebody about acknowledging that I have blind spots, Usually what I actually mean is like when I say, you know, I've got blind spots, I know that. What I really mean is I'm referring to parts of myself that I actually do know about. I'm not actually admitting that I could be completely blind to something. I actually think I know everything about myself. (laughs) myself. (laughs) I'm not actually thinking that I could be harming somebody or doing something completely ridiculous and not see it. That's not actually, but that's what a blind spot means. So truthfulness includes beginner's mind and it really means being awake and aware to the fact that there are things about us that we actually don't know and can't see yet and that's tough because i don't think any of us really really want to acknowledge that blind spot means blind you do not see it so beginner's mind really means i don't know like i just there's parts of this that i just don't know i don't know how to heal from this or I've got some behavior of mine that I don't even see and no one's told me about yet. Or there's a part of myself, there's a wound in there I've never seen before. There's a character trait of positivity I didn't know I could even develop. So the truthfulness is a willingness to be comfortable with our own ignorance and really, really be comfortable to acknowledge that there's just parts of ourselves we don't see yet. And mindfulness will awaken it if we continue to be humble and we don't look at ignorance as some kind of flaw, but we look at the blind spots as just a natural part of the human heart. And we intend to be awake and aware to that so we can open up those spots inside of ourselves. So remember, remember that we've got these blind spots and truthfulness is a willingness to see them and wait for them to, to come up into consciousness. Another aspect about this willingness to be truthful and I'm, I'm kind of framing this from just speaking with so many students and watching how people sort of progress on the path. A couple things I think is just helpful to kind of take note on as far as our own ignorance is really keeping in mind where our insecurities lie. Where our insecurities lie. We're all insecure in some way or another. Some of us are circumstantially insecure, like certain circumstances really trigger us and we're really shy or insecure or afraid in particular circumstances. Sometimes we have particular relationships that really kind of make us insecure or we feel insecure in that kind of space. But it's really helpful to know where our insecurities lie, where our fears lie. Because as we're walking the the path, these insecurities and fears are going to come in between us and the truth that's arising in the present moment. So I'll give you an example. When when truth arises in the heart, and it's something we've never seen before, if if the truth comes up and we feel guilty for it or feel bad about it, right? If there's an insecurity around it, then we're gonna push it away. We're gonna do spiritual bypass or we're going to push it or repress it. So as truth arises, we might, truths might arise that we've never seen before inside of ourselves. And based on our fears, based on our insecurities, those kinds of things will get in between us and the truth as the truth arises. So we need to really pay attention to things like, um, for example, how much do you value the, the opinion of others as an insecurity, right? Like, do you value the opinion of others to such a degree that you wouldn't feel comfortable being truthful about something that came up in your meditation right something about yourself that you're like wow i didn't realize that i was like being being dot dot, dot in this relationship and would you be comfortable sharing that truth or is there an insecurity about that so you want to look at the insecurities and you want to look at the fears those kind of things that arise and pass because they tend to drift in this space between your awareness and the truth as truth arises. So to the degree that we can get in touch with those insecurities and the fears that we have will allow us to embrace truth as it arises, especially as it arises out of ignorance. So it's just a side note I wanted to mention because it's I've seen this happen with myself. Like, I, can, <laughs> while I was making the Dharma talk, I was thinking, there's at least three insights about my life that I've had like this last year that I'm not ready to acknowledge, (laughs) that I'm not ready to acknowledge, like things I need to change or would like to change in my life or about myself. And I'm just like, you know, ah, I'm just kind of afraid of that. I just don't want to go there. I'm like, I'm aware that the truth is there, but I'm not ready to to deal with, (laughs) to deal with it or to put it into action or to bring it into my life fully or to live the truth. And there's just things that I'm just not ready for. So I just need to be aware of that because I don't want to spend too much time putting aside or pushing out these truths that have arisen and said, hey, Gregory, there's this thing that you keep denying and you would really be a lot healthier if you could just kind of maybe bring this into the fold and really start dealing with this. And I'm like, yeah, no, next year, (laughs) some other time. (laughs) So know where you push back, what you're afraid of, what your insecurities and really be truthful about what they are and acknowledge them. So when truth arises, you can engage it. Because one thing we don't realize is that seeking truth, that's the easy part. Like saying, I'm going to seek truth. What you do with the truth when it awakens in your heart, that's a whole other thats a whole other ballgame. So seeking truth, but then can you accept the truth that arises? Can you integrate that into your life? Are you willing to be honest about it, share about it? that's when the truthfulness, capital T, really starts coming into play. So kind of knowing our limits, knowing our pain points, knowing our insecurities, so that when truth arises, we can see how we interact with it. Very, very important. It's been huge in my practice, certainly. I'm one of those. I'm just like, I just, my experience of life is that for me, it's just, I'm so slow at things. It takes me forever to do things in my life. So, I really feel like uh, I'm one of those people where truth arises and I have to sit with it for like a year and a half before I'm willing to acknowledge it fully. Another aspect of this that we'll conclude with here tonight is just the, the role of Sangha in this truthfulness. And so one thing I like to say is that truthfulness requires a, like a certain soil, a certain ecosystem for it to thrive. And so there's two parts of of this sort of ecosystem, this environment where truthfulness thrives. One is that we're comfortable being honest with ourselves and others. But another is that we can be in a safe space where we know we're not gonna be shamed or ridiculed or judged for being truthful about what's going on with us in our life. So the, the great thing about Sangha is that when Sangha becomes composed of practitioners who are really committed to truthfulness, it creates this sacred space where development and insight can really flourish. It's a space where truthfulness can arise and be accepted. And when you look at the way that the Buddha taught his son, the the teachings to Rahula that we see in in the suttas, one of the things he really emphasizes, and I'll go into this in a few weeks, but one of the things he really emphasizes is a willingness to share with elders or teachers or spiritual mentors ways that we've messed up like oh look i messed up here because that allows for safety and security in our relationship that we can share our vulnerabilities so if we're committed to truthfulness we're committed to vulnerability and courage all in the same <laughs> all in the same moment we have to be courageous enough to share and humble and non-judgmental enough to create that reciprocal space for the other person who's in the relationship with us. Because in sanghas, I mean, (laughs) in any human community, but in particular in in sanghas, again, there can be this balance between shaming and judging others for not being pure enough, right? Very common in spiritual communities, in human communities, but in spiritual communities in particular. And so for a sangha to really thrive the truthfulness, and that's why, as I said earlier, another quality, which we'll go into later, is uh, mentors or admirable friends, is a quality or circumstance necessary for the Eightfold Path to Thrive. Because if we can't feel, if we have blind spots and mindfulness unveils this ignorance to ourselves, that's the whole path. And so if we don't have a community in which ignorance can be held with a sense of kindness and compassion, then we're, we're, it's going to be rough going, right? It's going to be rough going if we feel judged by our peers when those awakening moments happen. We have to be able to say, "Oh, wow! I realized, you know, I was causing harm, or I realized I was gossiping, and I just, you know, now I have this new insight. I don't want to talk like that anymore, or speak to people in that way." And when we can do that and feel comfortable, then it lives. Then the Dharma lives in in real life, not just inside of ourselves. That interpersonal exchange hugely important to have so there's lots of times where the buddha encourages meditators to go to other quote-unquote wise people and mentors and talk about those insights like hey i was harming and now i'm not and sharing that outwardly as a part of the growth and development of the path so that's another part of the truthfulness our willingness to be able to share but we have to have the soil of security and safety and kindness around us in order for that to work. Otherwise we're just making ourselves vulnerable and opening ourselves up to harm. So, you know, we have that's how Sangha works or sometimes doesn't work, if that's um, you know, there. So that's another aspect of this. The sense of being vulnerable and courageous is part of the sense of being truthful in our experience with the Dharma and creating a Sangha that really uh, that really works. All right. Let me see if I can bring some of this together for you. Just in conclusion, let me see what I have here. Okay. I made a note just to, to give a sort of counterpoint here, which was, we all come to the, to the Dharma with a certain amount of armor around our hearts. We we're already kind of, if we're in the Dharma, we're suffering. If we're a human, we're suffering, but we're coming to the Dharma with, we each have a past and we all have our pains and traumas and things. And so I am not suggesting that you just bear all to everybody in your sangha and everyone you meet. I'm not suggesting that, and neither is the Buddha. The, the Buddha is just really saying that you, you got to know what you're getting into on this ride. And this ride moves in one direction, which is towards truth. And you got to know that's the roller coaster you're on. Because if you don't like loops on the roller coaster, there's a lot of loops on this one. So you might want to try a different ride. But you're allowed to get on with a completely armored heart. But you just got to know that the process is going to be to make yourself vulnerable to yourself and others as the process goes on. Uh, so I just like to remind myself you know, of that. And then the last thing I just want to say is that in my own experience, that truthfulness can be... When truth comes up, it can be very disorienting. It can completely change our perception of ourself and others. And sometimes it can be a single meditation or you go on retreat and you come out and the world just looks different and your heart feels different. And you have to then go back into the world and relate to people differently. And that can be hugely vulnerable making, right? It's a hugely awkward experience to suddenly be awake and aware to some aspect of yourself that you'd never seen before. And so... To be truthful also means being kind to yourself to understand that truthfulness needs care and love and equanimity it's not just like bearing your heart it's loving yourself and providing a self-care environment in a sense of compassion and love that allows for your heart to look at itself in those uncomfortable moments so there's a lot of self-care involved in this commitment to truthfulness that i think is embedded throughout you know throughout the dharma um and then one last thing is just to remind ourselves that the heart mind space that we create for ourselves can be totally nourishing and helpful to everybody else around us that the counterbalance would be we can see in the world today this blatant disregard for truth <laughs> on all this and we can see how devastating it is for the the crumbling of human relationships that Truthfulness and our commitment to be truthful is a commitment to kindness in the world. It's a commitment to compassion in the world. It's a commitment to sane relationships in the world. If we walk in the world where we can't trust each other, man, human relationships just go by the way. It's so hard to live with others if truth is not valued, appreciated, and we don't take a stand for it. So as hard as it is at times to be honest with ourselves, it's important to remember that's the path. Like being courageous enough to be truthful with ourselves in those tough moments allows us to be more truthful with others and to encourage that truthfulness back because we're role modeling in authenticity that we want to bring and create into into the world. So when I see a lot of the antagonism towards truthfulness... There's like a sadness, I feel, because without truthfulness and without being able to relate to each other and trust each other, human relationships fall into pieces. I mean, there's there's nothing that we can build in human relationships that doesn't begin at least with some sense of trust or truthfulness. So this is a huge quality that precedes even the Eightfold Path. So I will pause there. I am putting this talk together because I wanted to have some part of this to be for the, the Sunday on the 18th. So this was, I put this together with the intention of kind of giving it to you and then getting some feedback and then like sculpting it because there's all these different traits. So I really appreciate that dialogue. That was really uh, helpful. So I hope that was helpful for others just to hear. So truthfulness, it's so important. And it's one of the things that, you know, as a therapist, I mean, as a Dharma teacher, of course, but I noticed this also as a therapist that when folks come in for therapy, folks who get the most out of therapy doesn't matter i could have 20,000 interventions that i know really well but the interventions are are nothing without the truthfulness and the the readiness of the person to be honest with themselves about what's going on like when that's there that's actually what's doing the work is our honesty right and our willingness to be to have the awakening to have that's really the the power which is why i like that the buddha talks about it as being one of the two primary traits that he demands in his students is that one. Because as long as you have that one, truthfulness and a willingness to be observant, he's like, okay, go for it. You got you can use the Eightfold Path. But if those two are not developed enough, the rest of the path is gonna be really rocky. And it makes sense, right? When you start to think about truthfulness in our in our practice. So thank you so much for your kind attention. I think that's just a, a lovely subject and I haven't talked about that in quite some time. It came up when I was uh, <laughs> it came up when I was camping because when I was camping, there were these moments where all the stress kind of went away, and there were several things that came up that were like truths that are I've been put on I put on the shelf for a long time, and they were like, "Hey, look at me," and I was like, "Okay, I'll look at you." <laughs> It's like, okay, out here in the woods where it's peaceful by the river, I will look at you and we can have a conversation and then maybe I'll deal with you when we get back to the real world. We'll see if I'm ready to put you into practice. So anyway, I appreciate you ha- I appreciate having you in my life because it's uh, I do go out of my way to be honest, you know, when I'm teaching about falling on my face all the time and I'm actually I'm a terribly shy person in any other context than this one. I am, if I'm in a group, I'm not the one to raise my hand. I'm not going to ask a question to the teacher. I'm going to be very insecure, very shy. Here I'm okay, but like, so this is really nice for me. This is a gift that you give to me that I can really be authentic with my practice and just kind of share unabashedly because I know it can be helpful for folks just to hear uh, the authenticity. So I appreciate you creating a space for me to live in that because that's really been huge for my, practice being able to play this role and to be able to share with you all my all my mess ups <laughs> so okay my friends i know some of you probably have to go we're right at the eight ish mark i'll be back next week and again next wednesday as well in the morning i'll be i'll be with robert so i'll see you then if anyone wants to stay we can do some meta as well those who have to go thank you for your kind attention Let's take a long, slow, deep breath in through the nose and out through the mouth, and on the exhale, relax fully into this sitting body. Notice how it feels to be sitting. Let's reacquaint ourselves of the truth of this present moment as we experience it in life sensations in this body. What is really going on right here, right now? Notice whether these sensations are positive Maybe they're unpleasant or neutral. Is there a desire for anything to be different? Any clinging or pushing away? Just being honest about how we feel in this moment. And holding it with a sense of love and kindness. And we remind ourselves at the end of each session that the healing we do with our practice, though always for ourselves first and foremost, is also a commitment that all beings be free from suffering. And that our personal transformation can also serve others that we can be a positive force in the world through the awakening of our hearts to love, kindness, and freedom from suffering. So let us wish well for all beings Let us wish that all beings be free from danger, worry, and concern, that all beings are free from fear, that all beings can know safety, security, and love. May all beings know true kindness, true joy and true compassion in this very lifetime. May all beings know true freedom true liberation in this very life. Good to see y'all again. If you haven't checked out uh, the podcast with Gary, uh, do give that a listen. I'll be listening to that this weekend. Like I said, Molly said it was pretty good. So, Take care of yourself. Much love to y'all. We'll see you next week.
0: Thanks for joining us here at Wednesday Wake Up. We honor the traditional Buddhist practice of offering the teachings without charge. So this podcast will always be ad-free and will never be behind a paywall. This podcast is sustained exclusively by the generosity of listeners. If you've received value from this podcast and have found your life or practice enriched by listening to it, you can support Gregory as a teacher by going to our website, www.WednesdayWakeUp.com, and click on Donate at the menu on the top. While you're here at the website, join our mailing list and follow Gregory on Instagram at Gregory Dharma. Thank you again for listening. May all beings be happy.